Hey, and welcome to the Kid Therapist Podcast. This is Allie. And this is Lauren. We are two licensed mental health therapists practicing in Maryland who love helping kids and families to manage and overcome their mental health struggles. Our goal of this podcast is to educate, inspire, and provide some insight into what could be going on with your kids. Here we go. She works in the public school system as a middle school counselor and also at a private practice as an outpatient therapist part-time. We are so excited to feature our first guest on the podcast, and we can't think of a better, more appropriate, knowledgeable um, guest to have as she kind of helps us sort through some of the similarities and differences between the school counselors and therapists, some of the rules of the school counselor, how to approach a school counselor as a parent, we even go talking about some social media stuff, and I think we'll, you'll learn a lot from her um, about school counseling. Yeah, it was a great conversation, so take a listen. Hey, Susie. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, we're, Susie. We're so happy to have you. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Allie. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah, we're so thrilled that you were willing to help us and our listeners just understand more about the roles of a school counselor and a therapist, and you have kind of a special role um, because you're both. Um, so just tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been a school counselor and all that jazz. Okay, sure. So let's see. I used to be an elementary school teacher. Um, back in the day, and then I had six kids and stayed home with them for a while. Um, I even homeschooled in there for a little bit, and then I taught in the private sector for a little while as well, and then went back to graduate school to become a counselor. So I have my school counseling certification as well as my community mental health certification. So um, I'm currently a middle school counselor. Um, The way my school does it, we follow our students, and so I have sixth grade this year, and I'll follow them for the next couple years um, and be with them until they graduate eighth grade, and then I'll kind of start back over again. Um, so I love working with that population. Um, the kids are just at just such a cool age where um, they still think you're cool, and um, I don't know. They're just, but they're still young enough that you feel like you have like some ability to help mold them a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really cool. There's such a need for that in middle school. Oh, yeah, because they're getting so many messages from all of their friends that are not necessarily great messages. So as much as, like, we can put into their minds, like, good stuff, it's better. Yeah, yeah. And so you're also a therapist because you work in private practice. Right, so, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I do both. So sorry, I kind of got sidetracked. Um, <laughs> so I guess this past April, I took the national counselor exam and passed it. Woo-hoo! I know, right? It's no easy feat. No, that thing is awful. <laughs> Anyone who's thinking about studying for it, start studying now because it takes forever to study. Um, but anyway, yeah, I passed that, and then I started working at a private practice with you two um, a little I'm bit. Happy to be working yeah, so that's super part time, and then my school job is full time. So they're different, but there's some definite overlap. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of our goal of today is just to distinguish a little bit between the two and help parents maybe understand when it's okay counselor school counselor role and outpatient therapist role so just exactly and how the so. two can work together yes as well. yes 
And honestly, I found that like the most success for my students um, happens when I'm collaborating as a school counselor with their therapist. Mm -hmm. And honestly, vice versa, when I'm in the therapy office and I'm collaborating mm -hmm. with their school counselor. So I just yeah. feel like if you have support on both ends, it's all good. Yeah, absolutely. So I can imagine middle school, there is so much that goes down and happens in a day, and I'm sure you have no idea <laughs> what you are walking into no. each morning, which can be an exciting part of the job, but kind of walk us through, and I, knowing that there's not really a typical day in the life of a middle school counselor, but what are some of your responsibilities, and what do you do? Okay, so the school counselors are governed by the American Counselor Association, and they set all of our standards and talk about kind of like our areas of focus. So as a school counselor, we are, um, per ASCA, um, we're in charge of, or not in charge, but we help with um, academic um, aspects of the students, um, the career aspects of the students, and then any kind of personal social or social emotional. Um, so those are kind of our three core areas that we tend to. However, um, school is very unpredictable. And like you said, like you never really know what you're gonna walk into. So um, there are crises that you're dealing with um, for students. Um, any kind of family thing that they're stressed with, anything that's impacting their ability to like function in the classroom. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where we pull them and we help them kind of get through that um, as briefly as we can so that they can get back to class and resume learning. Um, however, we also have other duties like lunch duty, which is special. Um, we what, also, is, what does lunch duty mean? Lunch kind duty, of yes. Everybody? Okay. Yeah, so at lunchtime, you just kind of walk around the cafeteria and just make sure people aren't, you know, throwing their food and, you know, whatever I'm sure that they gives do. you, my goodness, I'm sure all of us can just think back to our days in a middle school yeah. cafeteria Everybody. and Everybody. what figuring out where to sit yeah. and who to sit with and all the groups. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that can give yeah. you, like, a really good glimpse mm -hmm. into that's their really life and a lot of the social stuff that's Absolutely. going down. Yeah, and as much as, like, we kind of are like, oh, it's time for lunch duty, you do get to see the kids in that element mm -hmm. when they're sitting with their friends, and it might be... A student that you're working with and they're talking about a friend that you don't know well and then you watch it watching them interact at lunch mm -hmm. um, it's also a time where you can kind of get a glimpse into some of their um, just their needs like if they're not bringing lunches every day mm -hmm. and then you're like oh well wait why aren't you bringing lunches oh wait you're having difficulty your family's having financial difficulty and so then you're able to kind of get them resources mm -hmm. so that they can have food to eat um, that's really cool because I know as therapists like there's so much great research about there of how impactful it is that a child has one adult, mm -hmm. especially yes. in a school building, that they have a relationship with, that they know cares about them, and like you get to be that person. Yeah, yeah. and, and that's a like big impact of it. exactly. Yeah. It's very humbling um, because you're brought into these kids' lives on the daily, and so you get to see them where they're spending the majority of their time, which is school. So um, it's it's a privilege and it's very humbling, um, but it's it's also not easy. Um, other things we do as a school counselor, we might do classroom lessons um, that deal with any kind of hot topic um, from, um, gosh, I know we've helped the health teachers with self-injury lessons, um, talking about suicide in classrooms. Um, I know I did a lesson on racism and racial slurs with the, it was a group of seventh graders. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of other ones we've done. I did one on social media and just responsible social media use. Um, 
the limits are just, there really aren't any limits with what you can, you know, do as a classroom lesson. So that's pretty cool. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, so I case manage 504 plans, which help kids who need accommodations in schools um, to help them be able to function better. Um, and can to, you talk for, about that for a second? Because I know that's yeah. something that comes up a lot yes. in therapy, and we talk about 504s, and parents may not know what that is. You touched a little bit about it's about receiving accommodations and helping a kid function while they're at school. But if a parent is even wanting to start that process, can you talk about what that looks like? Yeah, so um, it, it's, it kind of varies. So sometimes... By the time we get to middle school, some of them already have 504 plans um, that someone has picked up along the way that, hey, so-and-so is struggling, having a difficult time paying attention in class. Um, they may have a diagnosis from a doctor or a therapist um, that says in order for them to have as much success as just a regular student, they need these accommodations in place. Um, so if a parent is interested in having a 504 for their child, if they reach out to the school and talk to either the school counselor or the administrator in charge of 504s to kind of get that ball rolling. Um, so you definitely have to diagnose, have a diagnosis. 504 plans are also good for students who have um, medical conditions like diabetes or um, urinary tract problems or something that would require them um, in order to be able to function in school to have access to certain types of medical care um, and access to the school nurse. On a regular basis so that's helpful for them too to be able to do well so as a counselor I may case manage those so that would look like um, every year once a year we're required by law to have a 504 meeting where um, we bring in the parents and a classroom teacher and we talk about hey how are they doing um, do we need to add any accommodations are there any accommodations that they're not using anymore that we can kind of say okay now's a good time you're in middle school Let's try to remove this one accommodation and see how you do. Um, so anyway, it's just a it's just a way for kids to be better um, students. And so we do those. We do um, just meeting with students, like individual um, little sessions with them that are not super long. However, they can be depending on if they're in crisis or not. Um, and then our I guess the the newest trend is doing small group lessons. Um, with small groups. So if you have a group of students who are struggling with kind of the same thing, grief or anxiety, or maybe their parents are divorcing, um, to run a small group for them. Um, that's a little bit trickier in middle school because you don't necessarily want to remove them from their academic classes mm -hmm. to do that. Um, it can be done, but it just, you know, it kind of just depends on the value of the school system that yeah. you're in. So. so you touched on like doing individual sessions with yes. the kids. So how much time would you have to dedicate? It sounds like you have so many responsibilities and the day yeah. can just kind of get away from you. How much, I mean, how many kids are even, are you responsible for and how much time would you have to dedicate to like one kid? I think that's a really like, good question, Allie, because yeah. sometimes I hear from parents kind of, expressing some concern or frustration or just venting their feelings that they wish that their school counselor did this mm -hmm. for their child. So I would love to hear from you, like from a school counselor, like on your side of the story. Yeah. What, like, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, technically, according to ASCA, um, I think it's about 80% of our time is supposed to be spent in direct service to the kids. And then 20% of our time is supposed to be spent Obviously, it's all for the kids, but to benefit the school and to, you know, work on other things. Yeah. Um, so, gosh, I mean, it literally depends on the day. I mean, there are days I could see 20 students in a day, 
but then there are days I might see three that they all just might be, you know, crisis management kind of things. Right. And when you say, sorry to interrupt, like yeah. you see 20, like how much time would it be oh, on average? On average, maybe 10 minutes, okay. maybe five minutes, yeah. maybe 15 minutes. It yeah. just, it completely sure. depends. Because yeah. someone That's could come in. Know, though. Yeah. yeah. Someone could come in and say, okay, you know, I decided I don't want to play the clarinet anymore. Yeah. Um, so I need to get taken out of band. Okay, well, what would you rather take, chorus or whatever? And so um, that's just a quick schedule change. Yeah. That might be five minutes, you know, communicate it with the parents, and that's done. Um, somebody could come in just kind of as a check-in, like, hey, um, I'm just kind of, I'm noticing I'm struggling in math. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, well, how about I'll reach out to your math teacher. I want you to kind of advocate for yourself and talk to your math teacher. We can work on getting you flexed, which is kind of like a study hall kind of period um, at school where they can kind of work with the teacher. So there's like that academic stuff. Um, and then there are like the serious cases where a student may really need a therapist outside of school, um, but their family may or may not have the resources to do that. And so those students end up taking um, up more of our time, I guess, um, because we're not necessarily doing therapy with them, but we kind of are because it's the only it therapy they're getting. might be their only getting. access yeah. And it's kind of like managing the risks that are going on for them. It sounds like they're high need in terms of their, you know, presenting issues and things that are going on. So exactly, yeah, that, that's exactly. A yeah, it really is. Um, but it's been really rewarding to work with that population of students who are in crisis and who maybe don't have a therapist. It's also neat to be able to refer out and say, "Hey, have you thought about counseling?" and yeah, but I don't know how my mom would feel about it. Well, let's call her and let's have a conversation. So there's a lot of interacting with parents where it's like, okay, so I've been talking to your child and they're struggling with anxiety. And, you know, the scope of their anxiety is more than really what I can do kind of in the school mm -hmm. office. So have you thought about a therapist? You know, I can put you in touch with a few that we work with or whatever. Um, so it's a, good, it's a good way to be a li liaison, I guess, to get kids linked up with. That's so great as like as a parent to know that you are in the know mm -hmm. and that you probably have relationships established with other therapists. Like you can be somebody that they can come to when they don't know what to do or who to start with or who to call. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, it's great. What I usually do when I know a student either has a therapist or is about to get into therapy, I have them sign a release of information. So that allows me to communicate with um, – their private counselor, um, and then on the private end, they have a release to be able to speak with me as well. Um, and so that's really good because then we can kind of tag team it and work together, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah, you're both on the team for the kids. So I think that comes up a lot for parents sometimes when their kid, say they've taken that step and their kid is accessing therapy with a private therapist. And so how, what, how does a parent help support that child or how does a therapist help support that child? How do school counselors come alongside that child to know the difference of maybe what topics should be discussed with the school counselor versus an outpatient therapist? Okay. Um, I think like it's, it's, it's so, it's very, all of it's gray really because if it's impacting the child's learning and their availability to learn, then it's important for the school counselor mm -hmm. to know that. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously in a, a therapy session, you know, you have the, the person that you're working with, the client, for 50 plus minutes um, where you can really, like, dive into stuff. So I think as the school counselor, we don't need to know all of the personal information. I think just what's really impacting school. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so then obviously if a child, a student divulges something to us that we feel like the therapist needs to know, Mm -hmm. then we reach out to you guys and Mm -hmm. say, hey, you know, I'm meeting with so-and-so and and this is kind of what they shared and, um, you know, it's definitely affecting them at school. Yeah, and that was actually a a question that we got from one of our listeners um, from our uh, Kid Therapist Facebook page. So if you're not following that, like that, follow that. (laughs) Um, But her concern was, you know, should there be only certain topics that are discussed with the outpatient therapist? And my thought around that is, you know, the boundary of time. So, you know, with outpatient therapy, you're scheduled, you have this a lot of time where you can talk about whatever presenting issues there are. There'll be some skills that are worked through, some processing, you know, it's very dedicated to that. Whereas for you, it sounds like, you know, there's times where, all right, I have 15 minutes and the kid knows you only have 15 minutes. So um, there might be not a lot that can be done there, like in a full therapeutic model that you would want to be able to do. Because I'm sure that's difficult where you almost have to put on different hats. Yes, Like this my school counselor hat, my therapist hat. Exactly. (laughs) Because some of the stuff, it's like, okay, I don't really, like if I I ask a certain question, that's going to open up a whole nother avenue. And then that's like therapy. Right. Um, And again, if a student doesn't have a therapist and they're really struggling, then I'll go there. But if it's something I know that they're working with a therapist mm. and I can reach out to the, their therapist and say, hey, listen, you know, this is kind of what I'm noticing. Yeah. Um, and would you even yeah. say that to the kid? Like, say, hey, I think this is something yes. you need to bring up with your 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Or I might even say, well, have you spoken to your counselor about yeah. this before? And so um, that's good because sometimes they're like, well, no, I never really thought I should mention that. And it's like, okay, well, are you comfortable talking to them? Because I really think it would be helpful. And if they're like, well, I want you to tell them, you know, I'm happy to do that mm-hmm. too. So. Maybe that's some relief for kids and parents as well as they're going through the process if they sign that release and give permission for an outpatient therapist and a school counselor to collaborate together. They don't feel like they have to be the middleman. That's yeah. going to yeah. everybody in the loop and just know that their team is working together exactly. to meet yeah. their needs. I hear that a lot from parents. They're like, I don't want to be in the middle. I want them to be able to collaborate because it's like we know our, our therapy language. We know yes. how to speak to each other and the parents, you know, they're busy. They have a lot going on. You know, lots of things to juggle. So I think that really helps when we have that signed consent, you know, mm-hmm. that we, you know, we don't just go off and talk to all the school counselors without exactly. consent, you know, it, it makes it really helpful. No, it is. And it's also neat too, because I think that for you guys as the therapist to know like, hey, their attendance is not good. Or hey, yeah. their grades, I just noticed that their grades dropped this quarter, you know, maybe there's something going on at home or yeah. whatever. That's just, a really good point. You know, yeah, like those the are really important pieces kind of, of information. information. Yeah. yeah. Right, exactly. So I don't know. I just think it's so great when we can do a team approach. Absolutely. Yeah, so how how involved should parents be if their teen is in therapy? Um, kind of what's your take on a therapist being in therapy themselves? Yeah, that was a question that we actually got on the Facebook group. And I think that, you know, maybe I, I love that topic. I love that question. Yeah. That might be something that we bring up a little later. But I think as far as the parents... Um, being involved, I kind of that speaks to the in, individual needs of the teen. I think overall, we would love the parents to be oh, fully yeah, involved, but I'm wondering as a school counselor, like, what's the best way for a parent to like direct their concerns to you? Like, it, do you want them like waking yeah. outside the school in the morning? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's really hard. It's it's a good question, and um, our day is. I think that back in the day, school counselors kind of dealt with huh, I wonder where they're going to go to college. You know, you might, I know when I was in high school, I didn't even know the name of my school counselor. I had no idea who it was. Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah. but I'm old. So, um, 
Age but, is just a number, right? That's right. It's all relevant. But anyway, so th- it's cool because... Um, Oh, parents. Parents. Like, wait a second. I was like, wait, where were Sorry, we? Sorry, we've been at our anxiety conference all day. I know we're tired. We're tired. tired. We're tired. Sure. Yeah. So this is this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So to get in touch with the school counselor, like we're just not sitting at the desk all day every day. Like there are days that I'll come in and I'll turn, I'll log into my um, email. I might glance at it and then I might not check. I might not be back to my desk to look at my computer until like you know twenty minutes before the end of the school day. So. Email is good. I just think that in if you're expecting an answer like in five seconds, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to happen. Um, phone calls are great too. I actually prefer talking to a parent on the phone versus typing up a whole email because I can talk faster than I can type. Um, but it's just finding that block of time mm-hmm. where we end up playing phone tag because if a parent is at work and I'm free and they're not, and then they call me back and you know I'm in a meeting or with a student or whatever, and it's like, oh, whoops, I missed that opportunity. And then sometimes that goes on for, you know, it could even go on a couple days yeah. trying to like get a hold of each other. So if it's an emergency, I would say call. Um, and then if it's like, you know, a dire emergency, then they'll get the message right away right. to us. And you know, I'm a parent and you hear this thrown around a lot in parent lingo. Like you never want to be that parent <laughs> that, you know, gets the reputation that from the school staff that right. is super hyper vigilant or like the anxious, helicopter parent. Helicopter yes. parent. Um, you know, that is sending these really long emails or making phone calls all the time, you know, and sometimes I know parents are concerned or aware or sensitive to how to navigate those first interactions with a school counselor. Yeah. So I know like at our school, we do a back to school night and we always have the counselor. We always speak at it and kind of introduce ourselves. So I think that kind of opens up the door so they know who we are. Um, They know what we look like. And then oftentimes after that, you know, they'll come into my office to say, hey, I want to introduce myself. I'm so-and-so's parent. Um, You know, I know in um, the elementary school, they saw their counselor, you know, every couple of weeks. So just a heads up, they might be someone who comes to see you often. Or, hey, would you mind checking on my student? Mm-hmm. So those kind of face-to-face interactions are really good. Um, emails, as long as, you know, 10-page emails are really hard because <laughs> I, I kind of like I get, I, get, emails. I get a little bit lost in those sometimes. <laughs> a little my ADHD kicks in. Um, but, you know, just a quick phone call, just a quick email, like, hey – you know, my child's struggling with X, Y, and Z. Would you mind checking in with them today? Mm-hmm. And if, you know, it works out, that's great. And if not, I might see the email later and be like, okay, today was a crazy day, but I will, you know, I will check in with them first thing tomorrow or whatever. Absolutely. So, yeah. so it sounds like as a school counselor, you're very open to and appreciative of getting the heads up, having a kid on your radar, knowing some background. Yes. So, you know, to encourage parents to reach out. Oh, absolutely, for sure. And if there's anything, any kind of special need or diagnosis, like, it's helpful to know that kind of going into it. Um, I know the way our school system works. So as a sixth grade counselor, um, we go to the elementary schools, to all of our feeder schools, which are all the elementary schools who send us students. And we meet with their counselor and their teacher teachers and they kind of give us like a quick overview on each student like just just little tidbits about them Um, or just things we need to know like hey right away off the bat like you know this child struggles with attendance so first week of school make sure you connect with him because Mm -hmm. that'll be you know if he can form a relationship right away you're gonna have better success so that's helpful 
And then on the flip side of that, as the eighth grade counselor, you go to the high schools and you meet with their counseling team and you share with them, hey, you know, this student I worked with a lot, and you go through each student that you're sending to them and giving them kind of a background. So you already know, like, a little bit. Again, kids kids change a lot over the summer, so mm-hmm. some of the stuff isn't necessarily, like, as urgent as maybe it was in fifth grade, but it's still, you know, it's still helpful to have kind of a little background. Yeah, absolutely. What about, and I know this probably is so complicated and comes up a lot, in school, especially middle school, social media. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. You know, before in middle school, you could go through all the things during the school day, but you kind of had that escape when you got home. Now I'm sure so much of it bleeds. Well, I know. I'm not sure. I yeah. know some of it. So much. Uh, so much of it bleeds over to their life outside of school. So as a school counselor, like, what can your role be for all those things that happen outside of school? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So. Being proactive on the front end is really critical. So, like I said, I did um, a social media lesson where I went into the classrooms and we talked about like our vulnerability when we're talking to someone behind a screen. So I can say I'm way more willing to say things I might not say behind a screen yeah. versus to someone's face. So um, we kind of talk about that and we talk about boundaries with that. Um, a lot of it is parent education, you know, have a basket in your kitchen and have all their ki- all the kids put their phones in the basket before they go to bed. Taking their phones to their bed at night, it's a disaster. Yeah, not a good for idea. so many reasons. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but just we have seen such a growth in um, issues based on social media, yeah. particularly Snapchat, because everyone thinks that the images disappear mm-hmm. right away. So they're way more willing to send things that are inappropriate in a picture or a video over Snapchat thinking that it disappears. Right. Um, so if your child receives anything, any kind of message, um, Snapchat or Instagram post or something that is at all questionable, they should immediately tell an adult. Um, and so that that way that adult can notify like law enforcement because it is, it is you know, some criminal activity with child yeah. pornography and stuff like that. Um, and for just encourage the student, do not pass it on to anyone else. Do not text it to someone else because then all of a sudden, if I, if I receive something that's inappropriate and I text it to you, now all of a sudden I'm part of that. Like distributing. That, distributing, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. But it shouldn't be distributed. Yeah. That's such a good topic to bring up, and I'm sure we can talk a long time yeah, about it. Yeah, because social that. media is such a big you know, thing right now. I mean, obviously, it's, it's all across middle schools. I'm wondering what the school's responsibility is if that, you know, because they can have their phones during the school day. So if there's any kind of bullying, like virtual bullying that's going on, like how does that fall onto you as a school counselor or the principal or whoever? So that's interesting. It's hard because, well, this year our school has implemented the kids are not allowed to use their phones during the day. Unless the teacher says, if you have a device, take it out and you can use it for researching this topic. Right. But in general, they have to be off and in their okay. lockers. That's a we can't, great rule. We can't yeah. see them. I know. And it, it's, it's so definitely not. Yeah. Um, but in the past, when that wasn't a rule, you know, kids would come into the counseling office just crying and, you know, so-and-so sent this on Snapchat or so-and-so wrote this comment on my Instagram picture. And, you know, that would just kind of create this whole thing, um, you know, all this drama. And then we're yeah. pulling kids in and talking about it. If it happens outside, like if it happens during the school day, that kind of is the school's issue to deal with. Like, hey, you know, so-and-so sent a Snapchat this morning that they want to fight somebody at lunch or whatever. So then we get that information and then we strategically separate kids and do what we need to do to keep people um, safe. However, 
Um, if it happens at night and you notice that someone is sending something to your child, like it's call the police. Like, mm-hmm. don't wait until the next school day to contact. Right, us. if it's an actual threat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's just like if it happens outside of. I mean, it's going to impact them at school. Right. But I can't police someone's phone. Exactly. Yeah. So what if there's some mean girl stuff that goes down at night? Can and should a parent bring that to the school, or is that really not outside of the scope mm-hmm. of a school counselor? Right. I mean, we deal with it a lot. So I'm sure, I'm sure whether a parent brings it to you or not, yeah, because the know. kids find yeah. out. And, and even if you're not part of that circle, you everything explodes on social media, so everybody knows everything that's happening to everybody. So right. even if you're not part of that drama, somebody else hears about it, and then they come and tell us. So in that situation, we would do peer mediation. Um, we would talk about like, hey, you know, make sure you're sending only kind things, um, and just work with the students just so that they can, you know, come to school and not feel threatened or feel bullied or feel persecuted or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely, it's definitely a big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's a whole new generation that we're having to try to navigate through. Yeah, for sure. Parents do not let your kids have social media <laughs> yeah. before they need it. So. Well, there's like yeah. this new phone now that you can get that doesn't have internet on it. I heard about that. that. I, I, I posted it on, again, the Kid Therapist Facebook page, so like that. Um, but it, it has no apps. It's just a way for you to communicate with your kid, text, phone, um, but no apps, no internet. It's just, you know, kind of like back in the early 2000s yes. or 90s, you know. Right, right. Or the two-way texts. Yes. I remember those. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just a way to, you know, still have that communication with your kid, but, um, you know, it could be an option, especially if there's some, some problems that are happening. Totally. And it's totally impacting, I think, um, peer relationships as well. Just because, you know, people, <clears throat> we're dealing with a lot of kids, too, who have quote-unquote friends online that they've never met mm, right that's just scary anyway yeah. because mm-hmm. anybody could be anybody anybody yeah so many times yeah. they'll kids will come to me and they'll be like well my friend so-and-so I'm like does he go to our school no 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 no, no. I met him online okay well are you sure that it's a 12 year old right. boy that we're talking about right. and not a 34 year old man who's pretending to be a 12 year old exactly. boy you know and so the students I'm finding are getting very caught up in that virtual friendships yeah. and it's like I don't know that just uh, gives me cause for messy. concern it does yeah. it was really mm-hmm. messy yeah. in fact last year I had a student who um, they came into me like beyond upset because someone that they met online had made a suicidal comment and so when we receive that information we are responsible to report it um, because it's a threat to mm-hmm. harm so you know it was trying to just even uncover like well what state does this person live in well, I think they live in this state. Oh, well, no. do you know what their name is? Well, I know their gamer tag on Xbox is whatever. Right. So literally, I remember I called the police force in like Montana or something like that to try to like track, track down, down this yeah. person, gamer tag, whatever, you know, that they had made a suicidal yeah. threat. So yeah. it's, and it's just scary. Yeah. Super sleuth. Yeah, there. that's right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> your little detective skills are coming out. You know? yeah, right. That actually made me think of something else, too. Like, maybe you could give some peace of mind to parents or some clarity to parents. Um, if their kid goes into the school counselor and shares some things, what might the parent know about that? Oh, okay, that is a really good question. So, yeah. we have a duty to inform parents if the child is threatening to hurt themselves, mm-hmm. um, the child is threatening to hurt someone else, um, if they are being hurt, or if there's any kind of court subpoena so you know it kind of follows the same as exactly as us yeah yeah 
Um, so, I mean, I really only share with parents kind of what's necessary um, to enhance, I guess, their communication with their student. And a lot of times I'll even ask a student if it's, if it's a gray area, well, let's, what if we, I, I try to encourage and keep the lines of communication with parents as open as possible. So maybe together we can talk mm-hmm. to your parents about this or maybe together, you know, I can kind of get the ball rolling today, but when you get home tonight, maybe bring this up and we might role play a little bit. Okay. Well, what do you think she'll say when we tell her this? Um, and so it's good. I think, um, to just to go along with that, we're also mandated reporters mm-hmm. for any kind of child abuse and neglect. Um, and in that case, we can't notify the, well, we, we're, we're no obligation yeah. to notify the parent that you're going to call CPS. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So if, if the parent is being abusive to this, the child, then we definitely do not let the parent know. We just notify CPS. Right. Um, but if someone else is hurting the yes. child, then we definitely Absolutely. would notify the parent. So Absolutely, yeah. And I, and I like how you try to empower the kid to want to share some of these things that are difficult with their parent and just kind of keep that communication open because... It would be, you know, it would be pretty unfortunate if, you know, the kid shares something that's going on, maybe they're self-harming, and then you then have to share the parent, and then they feel discouraged to want to share if they're having those intense feelings again and feel urges to self-harm again, but then they feel like, oh, well, you're just going to tell my mom. Exactly. And I don't want to create exactly. that, that and that's why the, Yeah. Exactly. And that's why it's just building a relationship with the students is just so important yeah. because then they, they really go to trust you. And I'll have kids come see me who have done self-harm, and they'll be like, I know you have to call my dad and tell him. Right, but just being really upfront about yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, you're, okay, you know, yeah. I do. But, yeah. um, so, but you just build a relationship with them, and, and they do, they open up to you. Yeah. It's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so just kind of shifting gears a little bit, I think it's important to just fully show, you know, what it takes to be a therapist and what it takes to be a school counselor as far as education, training hours, you know, what that kind of looks like. So we'll just kind of wrap up with that and then, yeah. And so as a therapist, um, we're required to have a license. And so we have our approved board. Um, For us, it's the National Board of Certified Counselors. Um, all three of us took the NCE. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we only had to take it once, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. One, one-timers. Yes. Yes. One-timers, <laughs> that's huge. Um, and, and there are different steps for social workers as well. They have their own licensing board and, and everything like that. But social workers are also therapists as well as psychologists, um, marriage and family therapists. But they all have their own separate boards. But for us, you know, we're licensed counselors. Um, we have master's degrees in counseling or, you know, some other related field. What, what were you, Lauren? Were you counseling psychology or were you... I got my master's um, in clinical mental health counseling. Okay, okay. Yeah, there's different names and right. you were education... I was counselor education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, just kind of all under the same umbrella. Um, and that includes at least 60 credits, um, at least one year of practicum, one year of internship, and that includes uh, 3,000 clinical hours and 100 supervision hours from a board-approved clinical supervisor. So right. there's a, a lot, lot of work. Hoops. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of work. And to be a school counselor, um, you do not have to be a licensed mental health therapist. So they're actually two separate um, certifications. Yeah. So to be a school counselor, you need a master's degree as well. Um, and then you need the state credential through the Maryland State Department. Well, we're Maryland, but the State Department of mm-hmm. Education puts on your certificate um, that you have the school counseling credential. Um, and then there are internships and practicums that you have to do. And that changes, it feels like it's changed changed a lot since I was in school. Um, I had to do 200, I believe, hours, but I was already a certified teacher. 
So my um, mm. internship didn't have to be as long, but I know other people, I think coming in fresh, I think it's 500 hours oh, wow. okay. um, that you need in a school or it's a couple schools. Right. Right. And different states have different requirements about that. Some states require you to do an experience in elementary, middle, and high school. Some just, you know, one or the other, or I don't know. It just depends on the state. But if you go to your state's Department of Education, you can get the specific requirements. Oh, okay, so all the information is online. It is. Yeah. 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 So it's cool. good. Very cool. Well, I know there's just so much. I think this is a really critical time period of mental health in schools and there's a lot of discussion about that and a lot of change happening and I know I'm really grateful to partner with school counselors and you guys are really on the front lines in so many ways. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Like I said, it's totally a privilege and I think just in this day and age where you just said, like mental health, there's such a huge awareness mm -hmm. of it and I think kids are being way more open today about depressing thoughts that they're having or suicidal feelings that they're ha having and I'm just proud of the kids because they're coming to us and they're actually sharing with us. That's a and huge step. Yeah, yeah, and we're just pointing them to the resources they need yeah. so that they can get the help that they need. Awesome. Well, yeah. thanks so much. Thanks Susie. for being here, Little fun time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come back again soon if you like. Okay, <laughs> I got that. All right, awesome. Thanks, girls. Thanks, guys.